Good morning. So this is the last little talk on 2 Corinthians. This is the um, second bit of chapter 12 and the last chapter. So uh, Paul is coming to visit the church in Corinth for a third time. And we don't know if this is the third time ever or whether it's the third time since writing the letters. Um, and he reminds them, he says, hey, I will not be a burden to you. And then he reminds them in case they're worried that he's not after their money or their worship or their praise, but he is after them as in a relationship with them in Christ. And he then takes the stance of a parent to a child. So read verse 15. And and this is a big challenge to us. Um, if we're leaders, is that how we are? Do we lead people as a parent with a child? Do we And do we see this in our leaders? And uh, is that a kind of relationship that we cultivate in our homes and our churches? Oh, just as a disclaimer, if you hear any strange sounds, Eden's on the floor next to me while I'm recording this. So she might start squeaking. Um, and then Paul reminds the Corinthians that that those he himself has sent, you know, on his kind of command, also shared his characteristics. He said, like Titus and this unnamed other person. And it seems that they really liked Titus. And Paul's like saying, look, you know, I sent this guy. He's just like me. Or I'm just like him. And, and it's important here to note that people who are representing us and people who represent the church um, and who work with the church, you know, especially under certain leadership, they have to be trustworthy and carry those same values or the world will get confused. And this is a running theme through this, is this idea of unity, one mind, one spirit. You know, Because if one person is representing something and another person is representing it completely differently, how will anybody know what the truth is? You know, does our family, do our families have similar values and standards in our home? Do our colleagues share similar values in a job? Do our church leaders and those who serve have the same spirit, or is there differences of opinion? Um, so read verse twenty and twenty-one, because this here is like this this major openness of Paul. That his fear is that the church won't have repented of all the things he's kind of like. Not accuse them, but he's challenged them all. And that perhaps they'll be even less, you know, Christian in behaviour than before, you know, he sent his first letter. You know, and he's worried that he's going to have to come to them and further criticise, and he's worried about a rift that will grow and grow and grow between them. And he said, nevertheless, he's still going to go to Corinth. He will still open himself up to the possibility that they will want him to act like someone he is not, possibly like these other super apostles that he keeps talking about in this letter, um, or perhaps a person that lets him basically get away with anything. And then he's also worried that he will see them not as he knows they can be, these, really, these good Christian people, um, but as people who are just the same as the other Greek cults and something else. So it's, it's a hard one to balance, and to lead... To lead ever is tough, but to lead as a church leader, you know, in any shape or form, will mean vulnerability. It'll be, uh, it will mean opening up to difficult changes, backlash from the world, culture and expectation. Um, sometimes you might have to face members of the church not liking your leadership because the leader also has to challenge and hold up a mirror to them they might not want to see. So how do Paul's words, and how have Paul's words challenged you? Um, 
he talks to the Corinthians and says, you know, you might not be as I want you to be. Are we as Paul would want us to be? And make sure here we understand that Paul doesn't want us to be molded into this kind of enforced religious way. What he means is, you know, this loving, open, freedom in Christ. Um, and this made me realize something recently. That there's been a lot of documented cases of fairly high-profile Christians leaving the church. And this has happened in the last few years. And it's often in America or, or very much often in the big mega-church scene. And often their reasons behind leaving the church feels a bit off. And one journalist speculated that a lot of these people were leaving not because they had really weighed up all the evidence for Jesus and decided that it couldn't be true, but actually because modern cultural pressure was too against Christian orthodoxy and that was uncomfortable. And the easy Christianity is now under threat. So no thank you, I'll go elsewhere. And this, this I mean, obviously that might not be the case, but it certainly feels that cultural pressure is getting at the church today, just as cultural pressure would have got at Paul back then. And some people, when their faith is actually tested, they realise, oh, no, 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 this is not what I thought it was going to be. And this brings us finally to chapter 13, Paul's final warning. So just spend a few minutes and just read verses 1 to 10. So Paul notes that going forward, every, everything must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And, I, and I'm pretty sure this means to make sure absolutely that any accusations or speculations or decisions, you know, are completely, you know, completely solid and founded and there's truth in all of it. Because even 2000 years ago, you know, gossip and backstabbing was seductive and it was all around. Um, if you just go back a few verses, look at verse three and four. What do you think about verse three and four and what do you think he's talking about? Because I, I think he is slightly contrasting his appearance and public image with the power of the Spirit of Jesus. In an earlier chapter, it appears that Paul is being accused of being unimpressive you know, and being gentle in his speech, you know, compared to the impressively qualified Greek speakers and super apostles, makes him someone to be accused and ridiculed. And I believe he's making a really important point as in to say, you think I am weak, and in fact I am weak, a timid speaker of small stature. How is this impressive? And yet, in my weakness, Christ's power is made whole. Christ is amongst you, the church, and will speak strongly in your lives. Yeah, there she is. Eden's getting all <laughs> excited. You know, because God uses weak people who know they are weak, who are humble, and in power works through them. Um, and in verse 10 he says, I hope I may not have to be harsh in my authority. And then he says, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up. Now, Christian authority doesn't look like worldly authority. It wouldn't look like the Roman authority. It doesn't look like American or China or Russian authority. Christian authority comes through our weakness and it builds, it serves, it's humble. It shows great power in our human weakness. So for the Corinthians, they best prepare for Paul, this small-statured and gentle-speaking man, to arrive. And to prepare for his arrival, Paul says to them in verse 5, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, and test yourselves. And this can be really uncomfortable. 
actually looking at your heart and asking the difficult question, am I really in the faith? Am I really a Christian? Am I really all in or am I here for other reasons? Uh, and this is not, I'm not, I don't think Paul, Paul is not attacking so these people. I'm not attacking anyone in particular. It's just, it's a real important question. If you're in the church um, for different reasons, um, hang on, I lost myself there. My baby's making sounds. So, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody if you're in the church for a different reason, that you, you might not be a Christian, but you're in the church for another reason, you enjoy it. But Paul wants us to say, you know, do you know yourself? You have to test whether you are serious. And if you're not serious, then that's fine. By all means, come to church, build relationships with the people here, grow in knowledge of who God is, be in that, be in and around those people, keep searching after God and the truth. But don't lie to yourself about it. Don't say, yes, I'm a Christian, yes, I'm a Christian, when you know you're not. And if you are serious, if you say, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but something might be lacking in your life, perhaps your mind, your emotions, or your physical service to the Lord are lacking, challenge yourself. But Paul says, examine yourself, examine where you're lacking, pray over it, and then choose to go all in 100%. And we can all probably choose to do a bit more. It might be, for instance, that we physically serve a lot but we don't read a lot of the bible so that's not okay we need to balance that out we have to get our minds into scripture we have to know what it says we have to test that you know not just serve physically you know i physically serve the lord but my mind is nowhere near god or it might be that you read scripture a lot and you know about god intimately through the word but you don't serve so that needs to change as well, because as one big family in the church, we all rely on each other to help. Or possibly, maybe you serve, maybe you read scripture a lot, so your mind is fixed on God, you're serving, but your heart, the emotional core is shut off for whatever reason. Perhaps there's something you don't want to deal with, don't want to face. Perhaps you've been emotionally open before and then hurt, and so you've closed off. And see, that needs to be sorted out as well we need to pray over it and seek after god's healing and the holy spirit's help to open your heart because paul wants the christians in corinth to be as well-rounded as unified as possible and we want everyone in our church and in the wider church to be as well-rounded and unified as possible and that's going to take the help of the spirit and in verse 11 paul says strive for full restoration encourage one another be of one mind there's that thing again be of one mind paul desperately wants the churches he leads and knows not to break up in petty squabbles or popularity contests which they're starting to in corinth we know that that happens over here too you know and as in romans as in basically all of his letters he wants the body of christ the church they're filled with different people of various temperaments and characters and jobs to be of one mind when it comes to the gospel, one heart when it comes to one another, and one mission when it comes to service and evangelism. So, finally, where can you yourself be restored? Is it your heart in Christ? Is it your mind in Christ? Is it your body, your physical service in Christ? Where can you encourage more or where do you need to be encouraged more? Where do you need to seek to live in peace more? Is there somewhere you can bring peace to? And then maybe ask, what, if anything, has been most challenging about 2 Corinthians?